yesterday, as I was uh, flying here from my leg, um, my leg from Detroit to here, uh, sitting next to me was an engineer from uh, uh, one of the tech companies in California. He's an engineer. He's a Hindu. And uh, so he started asking me what I do, where I live, and uh, those kind of questions, you know. Where, where do you live? What do you do? And uh, at the end of the day, so I told him what I did, and uh, he shared me what he did. And so we started discussing about faith, life, and all that kind of stuff. And then at one point he asked me if I meditated I, I, as a way to find this, uh, this, this truth that we are all after. You know, we are all searching for truth. We are all, that's why we dig deep in the Bible. <clears throat> and I told him, no, I don't meditate. He told me in a, in a, in a nutshell, his definition of uh, meditation is to concentrate on his breath. Concentrate on his breath. And I told him, you know, for me, the type of meditation I do is reflect on the word of God. Reflect on the word of God. And you can see that from that point on, we started to diverge our points. But the conversation continued. So here with me, I have um, a piece of paper. Let me see if I can get it. Okay, here we go. I have here with me a piece of paper where he, he took uh, pretty much half of our flight, explaining to me what Hinduism was trying to convince me of the Hinduism. So I, I saw it as an opportunity also to share with him about Christianity and especially about Adventism. But interesting, interestingly, one thing he did, he started off by showing me that Hinduism believes in something called consciousness, something that you and I would call God. That's what he said. Consciousness. And consciousness is the energy that created nothing, and then from nothing created something. So everything that exists that was created out of nothing. And the consciousness is the power behind that. Do you see how closely it looks to Christianity? Because we believe that God created out of nothing, and everything came out of nothing. So close but yet different. And I want to read you this statement. This statement is taken from um, the Great Controversy, page 593. It says, In the last days, will the counterfeit so closely resemble the true that it will be impossible to distinguish between them except by the Holy Scriptures? Let me repeat that. In the last days, will the counterfeit so closely resemble the true that it will be impossible to distinguish between them except by the Holy Scriptures. So close, but yet without the Scripture, we cannot distinguish between the true and the false. And, and, and the false. So as I, as I sat there, I saw how so close is the this, is this system he was sharing with me, but yet so different. And then I sat there, I imagined myself, what if I knew nothing about Scripture? <coughs> but as our conversation continued, I asked him a question. So in your system, in your belief system, 
how do you explain suffering? How do you explain suffering? And the conversation changed. And basically, his response was, suffering, it depends on how you see it and how you define it. For example, he said, if you look at a mother having a baby, I just had a baby, amen? amen. If you look at a mother having a baby, there is pain involved, but there is also joy. How would you describe that pain? Kind of tricky, kind of tricky. But there is still pain. So his view was that it all depends on how you see it. But then I brought it home. He has a daughter and a son. I say, suppose somebody is holding you on a gunpoint. They just finished raping your wife and they threatened to rape your daughter. What would you do? Would you define suffering the same way? He laughed. He came close to home. And there I moved in. It was an opportunity to share with him the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ. And so here we are discussing issues in the end times. Issues in the end times. Perhaps it may be your classmate. It may be your coworker that are struggling with these issues. They are struggling with these issues. Not only your coworker or your classmate, it may be your church member. So if we narrow down our conversation and bring it home to our church, our church is facing so many issues. So many issues. We are in a time of a crisis. We are in a time of a crisis. But as I commenced saying, a crisis can be defined in different ways. It is a time to choose. It is a time to choose. In fact, in the New Testament, the word judgment is, also, is where we get the word also crisis. That the time of judgment is the time of crisis. So we're living in the time of what? Judgment. We're living in the time of what? Crisis. So I thank God that we are living in the time of crisis. Amen? Amen. I thank God that we are living in the time of crisis. The time of crisis, yes, it has bad connotation to it, but it's also a good time because it is a time to do what? To decide. It is a time not to waver between two opinions. It is the time that you and I choose who we want to serve. Do we want to serve Baal? Do we want to serve the world? Or do we want to serve God? It is the time to choose. The time of crisis. It is the time of judgment. Amen? It is the time of judgment. It is the time that you and I make a choice between God or the world. Between serving God faithfully or serving God, or serving the world. This morning, I was listening to um, the doctor they brought from uh, Liberia, who had the Ebola. He's a Christian uh, uh, doctor, and he's a missionary doctor. And he gave a, pre uh, a, place, a press conference when he was uh, released from the hospital, from the Emory, uh, Emory Hospital. And he said, 
You know, I thank God for, when I went to serve God as a missionary, he's not Adventist, but he said, when I went to serve God as a missionary, I didn't expect this. But I remember contracting this disease and laying there for nine days, I believe, in Liberia. And he said, God, I want to be faithful to you. But I want you to use this disease as an opportunity for me to glorify your name. And you can go there and you can Google it. And you see a YouTube video. And you know how old he is? He's only 33. He's only 33. He said, I want you to use this disease. Although it will bring so much world attention to me. But I want you to use it as an opportunity to glorify you. Think about that. Life and death. We have some people who are serving God, and I think we're just joking. We have some people who are seriously committed to serving God. We are living in a time of crisis, but it is a time that we need to humble ourselves and choose between right and wrong, between God or the world, between God or the world, the time of crisis. This is the time we're living in. When you think about the issues the Seventh-day Adventist Church is facing, there are so many of them, so many of them. I, 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 we can sit here. I mean, I think of one issue. It has taken the church over 20 years to study this issue out. So don't expect me in one hour to finish all the issues that the church is facing if it has taken the church over 20 years to, to deal with one issue, just one issue. Amen? <laughs> Somebody ought to be saying amen. There are so many issues. For example, I can think of the feast movement. I have a friend. Uh, when we started, when I just became Adventist, he was, um, he was the leader of our campus ministries at our university. I had just become an Adventist, and he was the leader. And today, he's in the feast movement. Today. So we have the feast movement, and then we have also people who are anti-Trinitarians, people who, are, you know, who don't view uh, God in three persons. So we have those. That is a, a, a live movement right now in our church. We have the creation-evolution debate that is going on. We have the emergent church, emergent philosophy, emergent theology. We have the issue of homosexuality that is going on. We have you know, the elephant in the room, women's ordination, and so forth. We have so many issues that the church is facing. So many issues. The church is in crisis. But it's a time to decide. Amen? It is a time that as church members that we decide, that we choose. Take your Bibles. I want to show you that the time of crisis is actually a fulfillment of prophecy. Take with me Matthew 24, verse 11. Matthew 24, verse 11. And we'll ask a volunteer to read it for us. Matthew 24, verse 11. With many false prophets comes many false teachings, many false doctrines. And Jesus predicted that, that many false prophets shall arise. So the current crisis 
the different issues we are facing in the church today is a fulfillment of this verse. Showing that we are truly living in the end times. If you needed another evidence when you give Bible studies, this is another evidence. The fulfillment of issues, the fulfillment of differences. Because the Bible predicted that in the end times, there shall arise many what? Many false prophets. There shall arise many false prophets. And let's read another one in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. We'll ask another volunteer to read it for us. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Right. That in these last days, there shall come scoffers walking, not in Scripture, not according to the Bible, but according to their own desires in these last days. So, again, the Bible is telling us not to be surprised when these issues come. Not to be surprised when these doctrinal differences come. Not to be surprised when false prophets come, when false teachers come, when false theologians come. Not to be surprised. The Bible warned us. So we shouldn't be surprised that the church is in a crisis right now because the Bible did warn us. Let's read our last verse, and this is in um, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. The time, the, the time will come when some of us will not endure sound doctrine. When the Bible uses the word sound doctrine, sound doctrine, what does it imply to you? Sound doctrine. What does it imply to you? Consistent? Bible-based? Truth? A time is coming when we shall not endure sound doctrine, but rather we would follow our own desires. Our own desires. A time is coming. I want to read you something from a spiritual prophet here. Something I was reading this morning. She says, uh, Great Controversy, page uh, 599. She says, One reason why many theologians have no clear understanding of God's word is they close their eyes to truth, which, do, which they do not wish to practice. Let me repeat that. One reason why many theologians... Not just theologians. Why many, why, many, why many theologians, why many church members, why many people like you and I have no clear understanding of God's word is they close their eyes to truth, which they do not wish to practice. Following after our own desires. One reason. We close our eyes to what we know is truth. As I was reading this statement, I asked myself, God, if there is any place, anything, as the psalmist say, you know, if there is any hidden way, please show it to me. If there is anything that is hidden in my heart that I do not know, show it to me. That ought to be our prayer. Amen? That ought to be our prayer. One mother I respect told me a story. 
she and her husband went to preach to a local church. And as they were preaching, at the end of the sermon, at the end of the service, they had potluck. And uh, one mother stood up to give a testimony. When she stood up to give a testimony, she had, I think, a two-year or three-year-old kid. And their two-year-old kid had many issues. The kid was experiencing so many health problems. And the mother stood there and asked herself, God, we've been, you know, vegetarian, vegan, you know, whatever it is, you've been a vegetarian, vegan. We've been consistent in our lifestyle. But why? Why, why is our child experiencing this? And I just remembered what the, the child was experiencing. The little girl was developing a tumor on her uterus. This is a three-year-old kid experiencing a tumor on her uterus. And so the mother stood there and just started asking, just pouring her heart to God, say, God, we've been vegetarian, vegan all this time. And, and you know, as a mother also is, is about to have, you know, there's, there's wonderful changes that happens to mothers, some good, most good, you know, especially when they're preparing to have kids. And if they read also child guidance, those wonderful things become even more glorious as they prepare to have a child and raise a child in the way according to God's purpose. So as the mother sat there, she wondered, what is it that I have done wrong? So guess what she did? She went back to child guidance. She started reading child guidance. And then she said that God impressed upon her that it was a person she had never forgiven in over 20 years. But she had moved on. Things were okay. She called the person. Re made a reconciliation. Five days later, they go to the hospital. They conduct a test. The tumor is gone. Why so many of us are not able to clearly understand God's word, God's will for our lives, is because... Sometimes we close our minds to what we know is the truth. To what we know is the truth. And so as I, I was convicted when I was reading the statement. I was seen, you know, trying to examine all my life comprehensively. You know, wh what is it that am I doing? My eating habits, my sleeping habits, I suddenly know I can use more hours of sleep. That, that's one area, you know, having slept 3 a.m. <laughs> last night. <laughs> um, but there has to be a close inspection so we can discern the clear understanding of God's word. This is why so many theologians, they may be eloquent with many PhDs, with many degrees, but it's a matter of the heart as much as it is a matter of the mind. We cannot separate the heart from the mind. Amen? It is a matter of the mind as much as it is a matter of the heart. And so we see that in the end times, false teachers will come. False doctrines will come. In fact, the spiritual prophet says 
that every wind of doctrine will come. Every wind of doctrine will blow. You know, when she talks about the shaking in the church, it's not necessarily persecution, but it's the shaking of false beliefs, people embracing all kinds of different teachings. That is the shaking. The shaking in the church. People embracing different kind of lifestyle, different kinds of teachings, different kinds of behaviors. That is the shaking. As the spirit of prophets calls us to stand on one platform of truth, others, they want to follow their own desires, and therefore they are shaken off the platform of truth. She's calling us to come to press together, press together, press forward together on the platform of truth. Every wind of doctrine will come. And it is here. It is here. As I sat there in that airplane with this, uh, my friend, my Hindu friend, I thought about it, how appealing. How appealing this was. But I, and I wanted it, in my heart I said, what if I knew nothing about scripture? This would be so appealing. This would be so appealing. But praise God for scripture. Amen. Praise God for scripture. As, as Ellen White says, that the counterfeit will be so closely resemble the truth that unless we know scripture, we shall not we shall not know the difference. But I praise God for scripture because as David said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may know your will for me. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may know and distinguish between the truth and falsehood. I'm so grateful for scripture. For the Bible is our only safeguard. Amen. Amen? The Bible is our only safeguard. The Bible is our only safeguard. So what does this mean? What is the implication of these issues? As you can see, my intention is not to go through all the issues the church is facing. Because as already illustrated, even one issue, I cannot exhaust it in one sitting. If the church has debated it for over 20 years, can we exhaust it in 45 minutes? Impossible. But I praise God that God has given us a guidance through his word. Amen? He has given us guidance. He has given us a word of comfort to guide us. One of my favorite verses, really my favorite verses, is Psalms 32, verse 8. And the Bible says, God says, that he shall teach us and guide us in the way in which we should go. That he shall teach you and I in the way we should go. Open your Bibles with me to Psalms 1. Psalms 1. And we'll have a volunteer read verse 1 to verse 3 for us. This is one of my favorite songs, Psalm 1. Whatsoever he does 
shall prosper. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. Notice in verse 1. Notice three action verbs that are used. Three action verbs. It says, walk, stand, and sit. This person does not what? Does not walk in the counsel of the what? Of the ungodly. He does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Have you ever had friends who counseled you something and you questioned it? They do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But why do they walk in the counsel of the ungodly? Because they meditate on the word of God. So in other words, every counsel you hear, you, sh- you have to judge it by the word of God. By the word of God. Every counsel you hear must be judged by the word of God. Secondly, it says, they shall not stand in the path of sinners. Shall not stand in the path of sinners. There is walking in the counsel of the ungodly. There is standing, standing in the path of sinners. If sinners are doing this, it doesn't mean you have to do it too. If your friends are doing something, it doesn't mean you have to do it too. Because the word of God is the test of every teaching and every experience in life. Notice this. It is the test for every teaching and every experience in life. I began by using an illustration of my friend that we had a, we shared a flight last night. After he told me that when he meditates, he concentrates on his breath, I asked him, so how does that make you feel? How does, uh, you know, I'm trying to just understand. Say, you know, it just feels, you just feel relaxed. You are able to gain new thoughts and things like that. It's the feeling. But how am I to judge that experience to be a worthy experience? I have not experienced it, right? I have not experienced it. So how am I to judge that experience if it is a right experience? There is no way. But the only way I can judge it is by the word of God. The only way I can judge it is by the word of God. Only the word of God can teach me. Only the word of God can guide me, can tell me about that experience without having experienced it. Only the word of God can tell me about that experience having not experienced it. I hope you catch that. The word of God can warn me about that experience having not experienced it. Amen? And that's what God did for Adam and Eve. He warned them about the consequences of sin. Had they taken his word as it said, they would have known about sin without experiencing it. So, the righteous person does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners. Some of us have been advised different things. Some of us are where we are because someone advised us to be there. We are standing in the counsel of someone. There is a walking, but there is also standing in the counsel of someone. Or standing in a situation, standing in a relationship 
standing in different things. All these things must be judged by the word of God. Notice the last thing. It says, nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers. So you can walk. You can stand. And you can sit. But all your experience must be tested by the word of God. Amen? Amen. It must be tested by the experience of God. By the word of God. So how shall we live in these last days? How shall we live in these end times? Only by the word of God. Because whatever we do as we abide by the word of God, everything we do shall prosper. Amen? Shall prosper. I think the leaders of ECYC, remember when ECYC just started out, you know, few young people just gathered together for the few resources they had. But noticing what God have been able, has been able to use them, it just blows your mind. It just blows your mind. Few people, and that's all God needs to do wonderful things for his cause. And it's not just happening here. You know, we have Seth from Ghana. Things are exploding in Ghana. We have people from, uh, Angel just came from Congo, uh, from uh, Zambia. Things are exploding. God is doing wonderful things. Because as long as we abide by the word of God, as long as our life is Bible-based, everything we do shall prosper. Because that's the promise that God says, gives us. Now, I don't want you to confuse what I'm saying when I say that everything we do shall prosper as though I'm preaching prosperity gospel. Amen? But everything we do shall prosper. And God shall prosper it. Amen? So as a defense against this false teaching, if I can summarize it this way, as a defense against this false teaching, number one is a diligent study of the word of God. Consistently study the word of God. Study, take time to study the word of God. Take time to spend time with God. The spiritual prophet says, if we find time and voice to pray, God will find time and voice to respond to our prayers. If we find time and voice to pray, God will find time and voice to respond to our prayers. I'll give you the reference. Take time to study the word of God, number one. Number two, take time to understand our teachings as Seventh-day Adventists. If it needs to be, go by the book that uh, ex- uh, gives a, a, an exposition on our doctrines, the fundamental beliefs. Study it. Read it. Take time to understand what we believe. Thirdly, and this is the most critical one, thirdly, take time to understand the inner logic of our teachings. What do I mean by inner logic of our teaching? Let me give you an example. The inner understanding of our teaching. If, for example, I doubt creation, if there is no creation, 
then that means there was no Adam and Eve. If there was no Adam and Eve, that means there was no sin. If there was no sin, that means the coming of Christ was a hoax. That means the death of Christ is nothing. The resurrection of Christ, the second coming, is nothing. You see the chain of events? Just by doubting one teaching, how it also impacts other teachings. So that's what I mean. Take time to understand the inner working of our teaching, the inner logic of our teaching. Amen? Here's another thing. If we do away with the male and female differences, then who says, I can't be a female? You see? Who says, I can't behave like a female? Because we've done away with what God initially intended, that he created man and female in his image. Man and female in his image. But if we remove that, who says I can't behave any way I want? So one teaching, a doubt in one teaching impacts the rest. This is what I mean. Understanding the inner working, the inner logic of our beliefs. Amen? We can I can give you many other examples. You can doubt, let's say, the teaching of uh, uh, 1844. If, you, if we doubt that, then we doubt everything that impacts that has to do with the judgment of God. So you can see the chain of events, the chain of events. That's why the Bible says steps towards sin is a gradual process. It's a gradual process. So without creation, without the second coming of Christ. They are, the two are interconnected. And that's the beauty of Adventism. By the way, that's the genius of our Adventist pioneers because they were students of the Bible. They took time to understand the inner logic of our, work, of, of our teachings, the meaning behind how everything was connected with each other, how everything was a building, block, a building block for each other. So if you take out one block, the whole system falls. And in, in the end, what you will have, you will have a complete worldview, a system in your mind, a system in your mind. And I want to close with this. Why do you think from Genesis all the way to Revelation that the prophets of God, the people of God, were always persecuted? Think of all the apostles. Why is it that every one of them had to be persecuted? Have you ever stopped and asked yourself that question? Why was each one of them persecuted? Why do your friends make fun of you? I remember when I just became Adventist. My friends really mocked me, you know. The things we used to enjoy together were no longer the things I enjoyed, you know. If, uh, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Why? You can see that from Genesis to Revelation, even to this day, why is it that Christians are persecuted? When you watch on your, on your news, when, on your computer, when you watch what ISIS is doing in Iraq, you know, beheading these Christians, why? That throughout centuries, and this is the point I, 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 I want to bring up. When you look at the lives of each of the apostles, 
they had formed this mindset, this worldview that was going always against the world. They saw things black and white. And this experience does not happen by chance. It happens by understanding the inner connection of each teachings of the Bible. So when the error pops up there, you are able to spot it. Because it's going against the mental system you have formed as a result of studying the word of God. So three things. Study the word of God. Understand our teachings. Take time to understand the connection. Their connection. Their connection. Their connection. Amen? Take time to understand the connection. That is the only way we are going to withstand the false teachings of our, of our days. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have not left us as orphans. We thank you that you have given us your word as a, a, a faithful and sure promise of your guidance. Lord, we believe, but help us believe. We have faith, but help us have more faith in your word. We pray that you may burn in our hearts the desire to study your word ever more faithfully and diligently. Plant in our hearts a desire to study your word that it may shield us against the arrows of the enemy. Most of all, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may see your word, that we may see your teachings as you see them. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.